while they're like resting for the night, um, Marco asks Axe, who turns out isn't sleeping, about what the deal is with the Venba. Mm-hmm. And we get so we get this cool lore. I say cool. It's a, it's interesting as hell lore, and just like one more horrible thing in the history of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, how all Andalites are taught about um, the Vemba. Um, but they're uh, all he knows they're a primitive species, highly unusual physiology, um, unique in that they don't require any kind of radiation energy. Um, but they're not carbon. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they they don't need sunlight. Yeah, um, but they were discovered towards the uh, the dawn of Andalite space travel by another race called the Five. Mm-hmm. Um, no one knows what the Five uh, were, just that they called themselves that. Mm-hmm. Um, but once the Five discovered the Venba, um, and here is some fucking fridge, not even fridge horror. This is just some horror. Mm-hmm. Um, they harvested the Venba, um, because the Venba, uh, become liquid at any temperature above freezing. Um, and the resulting liquid has many uses, particularly in the creation of superconductors for the primitive computers of that era. And Cassie is horrified because she has like, those are sentient creatures, aren't they? And I was like, yes, they were. The five extinguished them. They annihilated a sentient species to speed their computers. And the Venba disappeared. Um, the kids are horrified, especially Cassie, uh, who calls it uh, evil, which Axe agrees with readily, um, and says, but if it's any comfort, the five are no longer in existence either. Soon after we encountered them for the first time, they... Well, no one knows for certain what happened to the five, but Andalites in that era are not the Andalites of today. And I'm just here like, hmm, yeah. hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I sense meddling. <laughs> uh, I mean, a species, it, it probably wasn't just full out extermination, uh, but they probably certainly went to war uh, in a very mm-hmm. violent fashion. Uh, but, uh, yeah, everyone's kind of sitting around thinking about this um mm-hmm. and marco's like good bedtime story axe if you ever have kids they're going to need nightlights just one big question if the venbar are extinct why are they trying to kill us i can only speculate i suspect that because of the temperatures on venbia the yurks were able to retrieve some intact genetic material from venbar cor- corpses so they regrew them probably they coupled the venbar dna with some other species these would be a hybrid part venbar part something else hello jurassic park uh, uh, Cassie asks what else um, and Axe says you would want to use a new a species with the most complex DNA structure available it would make it easier to attach new DNA and what creature what would that? that be Tobias Axe what is that <laughs> yeah it's, I don't know it doesn't make any like, sense no, and like the complexity of DNA doesn't mm-hmm. I could only see it like the visuals of having, because it has more footholds and handholds to grab onto, it's therefore easier. Andrew says, just add another helix, it'll be fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. He's a biologist, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but the basically what Axe is saying is that they probably have spliced the Venber into humans in order to make this species uh, viable. 
Um, uh, I am well. I imagine they're saying the most complex DNA structure available because they're using the shorthand that like more complex DNA needs a more quote unquote advanced species, and so like humans have would you need would, something of equivalent level because it's like you yes. can't put yeah yes you can't like run a complicated bit of technology and expect it to be compatible with a very simple one. Because yeah, it would normally blow the simple one up. Yes. Um. But yeah, and so everyone is really even more sobered by this thought. Mm -hmm. um, we curled up against one another, four wolves and a pair of fleas deep in a hole in the snow, lost in a frozen wilderness, thinking of faraway tragedies on dark frozen moons. I'd have traded my left lung for a fire. Uh, which I would be a fair trade because you could regrow the lung. <laughs> I love the choice when writing Marco to swing from these sort of very lyrical sentiments to mm -hmm. like not I don't mean the crass because the crass stuff is a different issue is an issue but like that mixing of highbrow and lowbrow I suppose it's paying diligence to the fact that Marco is this incredibly astute smart person mm -hmm. and the way he thinks about things versus how he talks about them out loud yep Look, we just we just love a character with an uh, with a complicated internal life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I love that we get these moments. And to be fair, that's not I don't think that's completely unique to Marco at all. But mm -hmm. it's something I'm feeling very aware of reading this. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I love my son. Yeah, he's good. Uh, Throughout the long, long night, we demorphed and remorphed one at a time, time and again. We were so much more than exhausted. Ax and Tobias started freaking out after a while. It was amazing they lasted as long as they did in Flea Morph. They demorphed and stayed for a while in their own forms, huddling between the four of us, regaining a sense of the reality they'd nearly lost as blind, blood-sucking fleas. It was not a good night. It did not pass easily. I was cold, scared, hungry, cold, hungry, and also cold. We were without a plan, without a clue, as lost as it was possible to be and more tired than I would have thought possible. Morphing was probably the only reason we survived that night. After about an hour, the cold became so severe we thought we were going to die. The morphing process would bring us back to full health so we could start freezing to death all over again. And then the sun rises. <laughs> um, I, it's one of those things that I like, because we've seen before about how difficult rapid shifting between one morph than another morph than another morph mm -hmm. is. I like seeing just like, even if you're like stretching out the amount of time you're in mm -hmm. certain morphs. Um, I don't know whether it's something, um, we've talked about or whether it's something I've come across in fic about like how, um, you'd think like it would make you like super hungry. Mm -hmm. Like, because they don't have access to food right now either, but like the amount of energy it must take for the body to go mm -hmm. through the morphing process and to have mm -hmm. to keep doing that. Yeah. I feel tired reading it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's good writing. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I just, but, uh, I really like how beaten down the Animorphs get in this book. Like, yeah. this, this shit is gnarly. And yeah. I like the time that's spent on it. It's not like glossed over what a struggle this is. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, you spend time with the kids dealing with it. Exactly. Uh, like, 
everyone knows I'm an angst gremlin and give me some good quality womp. And that's like exactly what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it's just like, it's good writing and they, I feel like they spend an appropriate amount of time on it to give it the weight that it deserves. Yeah. It's that it's just like really gratuitous. satisfying. It's not, yeah, it's not gratuitous, uh, womp. It's not like making them suffer for the sake of it and they don't dwell on the truly horrifying aspects of it. We get the moments of it. We're just sort of like, now this mm-hmm. is bad and we want you to know that it's bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but they make it till morning. Um, Marco's first out of the hole. Yeah. Um, and he smells both the Venba and the polar bear, mm-hmm. uh, nearby. Um, but, uh, he's out towards, uh, the edge of the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. either way, uh, the reason it took him a while to swallow because he couldn't see the nose and eyes because the uh, polar bear is fishing, as it were, and has its head stuck in the ice, ostrich style. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cassie figures out that he's hunting for seals. Yep. And uh, the polar bear catches itself a seal, and because of the size of the hole in the ice, successfully shreds the seal on pulling it up out of the water. Yep. Um, this is some full-on, like, National Geographic, planet mm-hmm. Earth, like, no-holds-barred nature in action. Um, yeah, but we see, yeah. Um, but the, the polar bear has got, uh, got one of these seals, but we, and the kids see, or Marco sees a couple of small gray shapes scurry out of the hole and away mm-hmm. into the water. But the polar bear is focused on the seal that it's trapped yep. before pulling out and is described as instant shredded seal. Yep. Um, and then the kids all react to Tobias. It's like, what happened? What did he do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and the, the polar bear chows down. Yep. Sit, doing that thing bears do, which is where they sit like a person. <laughs> <laughs> Just like eating chunks off this seal. It is not pleasantly described. I am just tickled by the visual. Yep. Because I like Varys. Yep. And then we have this fucking wonderful this is, scene. This is so good. Um, so the, the polar bear is eating. He puts down the carcass, uh, washes off the blood from his face and paws. It was disgusting, even worse than some of the stuff you see in the school cafeteria. But I watched it greedily. I hoped he would leave us at least enough for a small meal. I think we have a situation here, Jake said quietly, calmly. His wolf tongue licked his wolf lips. Yeah, Rachel said warily. We have to eat, don't we? We haven't eaten anything for at least a day, I added. I looked over at Cassie. She had to be freaked by what none of us had the nerve to suggest we were suggesting. I mean, I was freaked by what we were not suggesting. But unlike Cassie, I wasn't willing to let my moral sense live while the rest of me died of starvation. Cassie? Rachel said. What? She replied, a hint of anger in her voice. What should we do? Why are you asking me? I said, we're not equipped to hunt in this environment, in these morphs. We're freezing. If we don't eat soon, we'll be too weak to plan our next move, let alone finish what we came here to do. Destroy that satellite station. I know this sounds weird, but I'd kind of forgotten that we had a goal. All I'd been thinking about was staying warm and fed and alive. But you're waiting for me to give my approval? Is that it? She said. Look, I began again. If I had to be the jerk in this situation, that was fine. I was used to it. 
I was usually the first one to state the obvious, no matter how ugly it was. Just call me Mr. Ruthless. In case you haven't noticed, there doesn't seem to be a Mickey D's around here. I noticed that, Cassie said, a little annoyed. It's obvious what we have to do, and not just to the bear's leftovers, but to any live seal we can find. What I don't understand is why you're asking me for permission. Do you guys think I'd put an animal's life over yours? Or mine? Come to think of it? I don't know. I... I started to say. You don't know? When did you start thinking I was some kind of fanatic? We're freezing. We're starving. And I'm going to go all tree-hugging, never eat anything with a face on you? Well, I can never tell what you'll think, I whined, taken aback and feeling like I'd insulted Cassie. Here's a clue. Don't kill a sentient creature except in absolute self-defense. Try not to wipe out endangered species. And if you're going to raise animals for food, treat them as well as you possibly can. But when you're a wolf, a starving wolf wandering around the frozen Arctic, and you see a meal, eat it. Cassie is obviously not a morning person either. This was grumpier than I'd ever seen her. Probably, despite her tough talk, she was not looking forward to eating cute seals for breakfast. Come to think of it, I wasn't either. The two seals who'd escaped the bear were visible some distance off. We looked at them with the intensity of hungry wolves. Nature isn't pretty, Tobias said, reassuring us. It isn't supposed to be. Yeah, survival of the fittest, Rachel muttered. A good philosophy, Axe said mordantly, unless it turns out the Venber are fitter than we are. And just this whole conversation is so good. Um, it really is. And, uh, like, it, because it, it really boils down Cassie's philosophy in a way that we haven't necessarily had explicitly pointed out to us before. And it shows yeah. how much growing she's done since book nine, when she was struggling so much with like predator and prey mentality. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if Cassie from, you know, 10 books ago would, would have the same kind of determination about it. She'd probably sure. come to the same conclusion, but I think she'd be much more torn up about it than this yeah, Cassie here who's ringing. yeah, who's who's standing her ground and being like, "No, look." Um, but we also saw this in Cassie when they went to the time of the dinosaurs, right? When she mm -hmm. just like sat up and started butchering whatever T-Rex, uh, all business like, and everyone was like, "Cassie?" Mhm. Mm <laughs> um um, I think and what I, 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 go ahead. I was like, what I also like about it, and this is something we've seen with other characters, but we normally get it from their own perspective, mm -hmm. which is, yes, the morning joke, morning person thing is just like, it upsets her that she is seen that way. Yes. By maybe the fact that it's by Marco mm -hmm. as well. Because mm -hmm. she knows that Marco is the other person in the group who's very shrewd about the others. Mm -hmm. And just like, that's what you think of me. Is that really mm -hmm. what you think of me? Actually, fuck you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's... Because it, it is... It is it is really demeaning to to be told yeah. like, hey, you're you're the only one out of all of us who would put this already dead seal's life ahead of us. 
I can see how also it could come out of a misguided, and I'm stressing that, a misguided uh, thing that I just like, we don't want to upset her. Mm-hmm. And like it, it coming from a place of protectiveness or also, yeah. or even, sorry, just like, well, if we do this and upset Cassie in the process, then we have to deal with an upset Cassie on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. And I can see it being an almost condescending or patronizing way of trying to take care of her yeah yeah it's a swing and a miss Mm -hmm. uh, for sure but again none of them are doing it out of malice no i don't think they are um it's yeah they're not doing it out of malice it's it's the the anger that comes from oh they really all think that i'm like this yeah it's like are none of you gonna say anything yeah all think bad of me Mm -hmm. uh and like this last thing by tobias really gets me because it's like he's sitting there as a flea drinking their blood like the person Mm -hmm. who every day kills to eat and they're having this conversation about eating a fresh killed seal when not two books ago, he was eating roadkill. Yeah. And I'm just like, guys, really? Like, but again, <laughs> and as, as a, from the outside perspective, maybe he's keeping quiet rather than going, guys, I do this every day. It's mm-hmm. no biggie. It's just like, because yeah. they don't have to do this every day. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's, it's so kind mm-hmm. when he says, like, it's nature. Yeah. Yeah. It he it says that he's reassuring them. Yeah. Um Again, and I suppose this is an extension of the way that all they're all looking after each other so readily mm-hmm. in this it it's good and it makes my little found family loving self go, uh but uh-huh. like and it's described so matter of factly, like they work well as a team, but also like they take turns morphing so they can keep each other warm. Rachel taking Tobias to keep to to make sure he doesn't freeze and just mm-hmm. like all these things they're all doing so readily mm-hmm. and seeing it extend to the way they're trying to talk to each other mm-hmm. yeah it's very good and again speaks to the emotional intelligence that the writers grant them mm-hmm. some of the time mm-hmm. yeah it's once again it is an illustration of when they're on point, they're on fucking mm-hmm. point. Um, and like th- this whole book is just such a great illustration of everyone is acting within their roles, but they're acting like they're not acting in the, um, uh, uh, panicked kind of like reactionary way they're acting like consciously in those roles uh and they're all just working together so seamlessly Mm -hmm. that the really the only thing that is able to bring them down is mother nature uh it yeah it's it's good shit and i love it a lot um mm-hmm. uh 
But so the bear leaves the carcass away and they as wolves uh, approach it um, and they all just kind of like stand there looking at it for a second. Um, and Jake's like, do you, Ax and Tobias, need to eat? And Ax and Tobias are like, uh, no, we're good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what? Said Rachel. How can't you be hungry? Then. Oh. <laughs> um. And um, I know it's clearly not done, or it might be not done. It's not certainly not necessarily um, attention drawn to it. But Jake is the one that dives in first. Mm-hmm. Fair, it's a bit of a get off the boat moment. Yep. Um, but also I can't help but think about how pack leaders will often eat first. Mm-hmm. Just like that's the the dynamic is the strongest mm-hmm. will eat first. Mm-hmm. I was about to say like the alpha wolf, but I know that's been disproven and all that jazz but it's still true of like larger animals in mm-hmm. well with certain creatures the biggest or the leaders will eat first mm-hmm. um, which makes sense because you want your functional leaders to happen but also they're bigger than me they need more food and also they will kick my ass if i try to take their food yeah yeah um uh and but, they um, all eat some arctic foxes show up i'm very happy about it just to watch <laughs> Yep. Um, it's also they note that how much meat is actually left on this seal, mm-hmm. um, and how the polar bear mostly just took the blubber off. Mm-hmm. Um, some seal jerky, just like <laughs> chew, chew, chew. Nom nom nom. I mean, we get some comments later about polar bears, and, like their hunting habits, but um, mm-hmm. they're all able to like sate their hunger. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. And even Cassie makes a, like, Rachel and Marco, uh, um, are, as they're eating, the, when the foxes show up, uh, Rachel's just like, like, they're gonna have wait. to wait until, th- they're gonna have to wait their turn. <laughs> uh, and Marco's like, life's going pretty well, huh? We're chewing, we're down to chewing seal bones. Not that I'm complaining. Any food is better than no food. And Cassie's like, it could use salt. And everybody starts laughing because it's just like coming from her. Just such a fucking dry comment is exactly what they all needed. Um, uh, and they're and just like, all right, now what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jake also runs with the gag and it's just like, you know, I could also use this on side and coffee. I don't even drink coffee and I want some. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's now what? And Marco being much just like, yeah, now what, dad? And he's just like, Ugh. it's a <laughs> sentiment I can, uh, yeah. I can sympathize with. Uh, but they're like, okay, we need to acquire better morphs for dealing with this weather. Yeah. Um, and Marco's like, oh, what are the odds the polar bear will let us acquire him? But they, uh, figure out. Uh, or Marco smells the nearby are the baby seals that had escaped the polar bear mm-hmm. looking for their mother. And, uh, there's this moment of, of course, with Marco, like, mm-hmm. just like waiting, looking for their mother. And it's just sort of like, he's having this moment of like weird guilt. And, but Rachel is the one that cuts, just like, it's our cold weather morph right there. Yeah. Um, but not before, it's... not before Marco moves between the seal carcass mm-hmm. and the the babies to spare them the sight Seeing of it. it. Yeah, and it's like, 
but they get a plan to uh, acquire these kids. Uh, Marco and Cassie are going to morph dolphin to get into the water mm-hmm. and uh, like hoik a baby seal out so everyone can acquire it as a morph. Yep. Um, uh. Turns out being a dolphin in cold water sucks ass. <laughs> At least being used- the kind of dolphin that they are. Yeah. Yeah, if they're from Cal- California, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, because I know there are dolphins that far north. Mm-hmm. So, um, but they they get hold of it and they bring it up onto the shore or onto the ice. Um, but they the little seal uh, scratches Marco and he's like, "I deserve this." Mm-hmm. Um, that's not me paraphrasing. He does say that basically. Mm-hmm. Um. But they all acquire the baby seal as a morph. Um, I love how we get this little detail of the seal pup looking mystified but amused at the winged <laughs> creature who uh, touches it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we uh, have um, yeah, Cassie and Marco get out of the water, demorph. Um, they put the pup back on the ice and he just sort of like rolls back into the water yep and uh, we have this the kids chat for a moment just like how the kid how the pups might make it mm-hmm. um and cassie shakes head and smiles sadly at tobias mm-hmm. um it's like no they won't but it will feed some orca or polar bear and you can't go all mushy over these guys without realizing that orca babies and polar bears have an equal right to live um and tobias is like Still, if we could, uh, they were remembering the skunk litter we'd once saved. Tobias had eaten one of the skunk kits, then he'd helped Cassie keep the rest alive. Um, and just like, if they were like at home, maybe it would be different, but in this environment, mm-hmm. it's yeah. just not an option. Yeah. Um, but they morph into the seal pup morphs. Mm-hmm. It's delightfully well described. Um, but they're all just like, okay, holy shit, I feel warm again. Yep. And it's, oh, the joy, the blessing, the fabulous, incredible, sensuous sensation, the most wonderful thing I've ever felt from the day of my birth to that very moment. Warm. <laughs> and he's just being very Marco about it. Yep. Yep. And it's very cute and funny. Just like cold. What cold? There was no cold. Um. <laughs> But any like the the relief and being warm is enough to like override all the baser instincts of the seal. Just like oh, yes. it gets to be happy for about three seconds before the Venba show back up. Yep. Um, and there's like this hustle to get to the water, which is difficult because seals on land are not at their but most uh, mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a, a near miss of a, a blast from the assault cannon. But then they're in the water. Yeah. Uh, and they swim out. They swim towards the base. Uh, meanwhile, they're discussing whether the Venber saw them morph. Um, and Tobias points out, you know, why else would they have taken a shot at a bunch of baby seals? Uh, there's no reason. Um, uh, and but they're like, well, we can't do anything about that problem, so let's take out the base, and then it won't be a problem, hopefully. Uh, 
but they swim. Uh, and then they are spotted by some orcas. Uh, and they have yet another just really bad time <laughs> trying to like, run away from these orcas. Like, orcas are hardcore. Yeah. As one of the, I saw, I don't know, it was doing the rounds for other thing about how moose can swim and how orcas will go for a moose mm -hmm. that's in the water. But, like, yeah. I think, like, popular culture definitely skewed perception of orcas for a while, but they are, they go hard. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the uh. killer whale nit nom uh, n noma is Moniker. Not misplaced. My Thank you so much. God. <laughs> You do it for me often enough. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's because my brain was going misnomer. Yeah, so noma. Uh huh. English is a bullshit language that goes around beating up other languages and stealing their lunch money. It sure does. Other words. Um, uh. So they they swim up out of the water. They land on the ice and they're running away from the. The whales, mm. um, the orcas keep popping up through the ice, um, almost getting them. Um, they all demorph while this is happening, uh, to hopefully, you know, dissuade them from eating them. Um, and the, the orcas do leave. Uh, and at that point, as they're all in their normal bodies, uh, just laying on the ice, uh, <laughs> Uh, uh they they realize that they are not alone yeah we have this moment where like marco is just yelling is this just the uh, absolute armpit of the universe and it's just like ask him and marco turns around just like hi um no offense about the armpit thing at all and this guy is like none taken <laughs> And, um, yeah, there's this guy here. He's like maybe a year older than them. Mm -hmm. I think he's described sitting in a little beat up fish boat, fishing boat, uh, with an outboard motor that's probably what scared the, uh, the whales off. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's, and Marco's just like, so how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is where we run into the, uh, content warning for stereotypes about, uh, native and indigenous peoples because uh as this uh kid is staring is just like you some kind of spirit or something and this uh kid paddles over um and uh marco guesses that this kid is a uh, inuit um and he's wearing this combination of like fur mittens and uh, pants but with like a big blue parka Mm -hmm. And this guy's just like, you look cold. I don't think animal spirits get cold. You want a blanket? Um, and Balco just takes it, just like, and he's like, how about your friends? Are they animal spirits too? Um, and this kid, and, uh, Marco's just like, oh, I guess so. And this kid isn't hostile or anything. He's just very curious about what's happening. Mm -hmm. To be fair, if I was two days on the ice by myself and I saw that, I'd be like, well, this is so much more interesting than anything else that's happened. Uh -huh. Um, uh, and we, so we get the, we get the comment. My grandfather used to talk about animal spirits all the time. I just thought he was crazy. He spun his finger around his ear in the universal gesture. 
But I always told him, yeah, that's right, Grandpa. Uh, and, you know, he, so he's just kind of like making small talk. He's like, tell your friends I have some more pelts. Um, everybody kind of comes closer, huddles up under these uh, animal skins. Um, he asks about Tobias. Uh, are you an eagle? And Tobias is like, no, I'm a red tail. We're very common. And dude's like, not around here. The birds here don't talk. So <laughs> and he looks at Axe and he's like, what are you? It's like, uh, but, which is a relief in a way because they were just like, oh, well, he's not a controller because he mm-hmm. knows what an Andalite is. Uh, right. And Axe just like, I'm an Andalite. I'm an, I, I, I am an Andalite. You a common species too? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like a joke. I decided I like the guy. <laughs> and just like the fact that he's so relaxed around the sheer weirdness that is their group is mm-hmm. like a good sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cassie comments that uh, he has a lot of seal skins with him. Um, and uh, he talks about how, you know, it's not really a good haul and that a lot of them are burned because the quote unquote Star Trek men uh have been shooting seals with phasers like their target practice um they show no respect makes me mad uh and marco's like star trek guys uh and dude's like yeah oh i guess you animal spirits don't watch tv huh you need to get a satellite dish spirit boy uh the name's marco that's jake rachel cassie tobias he's the one with the wings and axe axe isn't from around here uh and the dude introduces himself as Derek. Uh, we love Derek. We love Derek. We stand a, an icon and a legend. Um, and uh, Cassie asks what he's doing all alone out here. Um, and uh, Tobias is like, "Where's your home?" And dude basically ind- uh, indicates that like he's on a long hunting trip. He's a couple of days away from where he lives. He goes on hunts uh, for seals, um, as you do in those places. Um, and, uh, so Cassie's like, oh, you hunt seals? And she's keeping her voice level, um, I guess trying to figure out kind of what kind of hunter Derek is. Um, because he's, he asks, oh, you don't like hunting? And she's like, well, not like the crazy Star Trek guys. Hunting for sport, like it's a game. Yeah, we get guys come up here for that, up from New York and Detroit, shoot bears and caribou from helicopters. No respect for nothing, those guys. Those guys at the station, though, they're the worst. They're just crazy for killing. He cocked his head. That must make you animal spirits mad. We we never exactly said we were spirits, Jake said. No? So what are you then, he asked. Aliens? He's an alien, I said, pointing at Axe. The rest of us are just idiots. The guy smiled. His expression hardened. He didn't like not getting answers. You have something to do with that station they're building? With those big ice creatures? With the spaceships? I shot a look at Jake. He shrugged. Yeah, we have something to do with them, I said. Yeah, he answered. Well, I don't like them. What are they doing up there anyway? They aren't any of those ecology people come up here sometimes. They aren't hunters either. They're making a mess in the water, scaring away everything with their noise and their weird guns. Who are they? Who are you? I guess you could say they're the bad guys, Jake said, and we're the good guys. We came here to destroy that station. Sounds good to me, Derek replied, like it was no big deal, like we just suggested a visit to the local 7-Eleven. Uh, and before we move on to, uh, Derek's buddy, Nanook, the polar bear, uh, let's, let's sit here with this for a second. Cause I'm really, con- 
I'm really conflicted about how this is portrayed. It's, and we were, I can't remember this was before we started recording or just at the top. Like, there are elements where Derek feels like a very fully realized character. There are mm-hmm. elements of this that feel very good to read, but this reliance on, like, the imagery and the talk of animal spirits, it's very, one, it's stereotypes, two, it's like very, uh, homogenousy. Like, all yeah. indigenous folks have the same, are easy to tell from the way they dress and the way they talk, and they all have the same beliefs. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I don't want to, I, I, I'm not here to pass judgment on it. Uh, that's not my spot, my place. Um, and it just, it makes me feel a little uncomfortable. And that, mm. that makes me wary of it, right? Um, yeah. Because they could have made different choices. Like, from a, yeah. from a, a, a narrative standpoint, I think it all makes sense, right? If I, if, <laughs> if I randomly saw, pe- you know, animals turning into people, not having seen them first turn into the animals, my first thought after, wow, those were bad mushrooms, would probably mm-hmm. be like magic. Yeah. Um, Whereas I suppose if you have grown up in a culture where there are stories about animal spirits that can take human form, maybe your mind would go to that option first. Right. Um, I think it would have been, I mean, well, it wouldn't really make sense for them to make a, a selkie comment, but that would have been cool. No. Um, yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it's it just. just it feels a little lazy. A little bit, yeah. Um, and while and- they've certainly done better with this particular person of color than some others in the books, yeah, it still feels, and again, my ob- observation as a white person is only worth what it's worth on the matter. But if it catches me, mm-hmm. Like Danielle was saying, I think that's a sign that there is something not quite right. Yeah. There. It's so, you know, he mentions further down that he has seen the, the base that has spaceships in it, right? Like he has seen it and knows what it does. I think this would have been better if, if he had seemed more more aware like if he had said oh are you some spirits or something and had like had like not quite been sarcastic but like a little more aware that oh this must be related to that other weird shit um that it it probably wouldn't hit as weird because he he does accept like as soon as jake says like oh we're not spirits he's like oh so what are you then aliens and then he accepts like oh this is Mm -hmm. alien bullshit um, yeah, I suppose like the Watsonian versus Doyleist mm-hmm. uh, interpretations of why he makes that guess first. Mm-hmm. Just like, like, like you said, like it feels like magic would be the go-to first. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then I, like, as somebody that's like very into like stories about Kitsune and things like that, like for mm-hmm. me, just like, oh yeah, if I saw. Somebody turn into a fox, but like, or whatever, or like you said, the selkie thing. But I feel like selkies are very European. They are, yeah. So, yeah, it's I. I wish I like. 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, I wish he was written as a little more aware. Like, cause I, mm-hmm. I feel like that's what they were trying to go for. Is yeah, him like being like, savvy. He's yeah, back and relaxed, but it feels like if it was maybe clearer that that was like a joke in that yeah. first opening line. Yeah. Or even if it had the vibe of like somebody a bit older who was like, say, a smoking pot or something. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, uh-huh. it feels like he's not making enough of a joke of it. Yeah. It, it, it would sit better if it, if it came across as less serious. Yeah. But maybe somebody else reading that would read that immediately as a joke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like if I went into the forest and saw a horse with a horn and I was like, and for some reason someone was with it and I'm like, oh yeah, what is that? A unicorn? Uh, and like kept talking like it's a unicorn. And, but so there's like a different, a difference between, oh, it's a unicorn and what is that? A unicorn? You know? Yeah. Like, and not, not having a better word for it and so calling it that until you have something else. Yeah. Versus, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I, I don't want to spend too much time because again, no. we're, we're not, we are not the people to have this conversation. But we did want to point it out because like, yeah. Feels a little weird. Yeah. Feel, feels kind of weird. Yes. Um, um but he uh, does have an a uh, polar bear friend. I say friend. He um, explains about Nanook. Mm-hmm. Uh, he describes him as his friend. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a great hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, maybe we've seen him. What does he look like? Well, he's pretty big with white fur. Oh, him. Great, the Inuit comic. Yeah, we've seen him. Um, and Rachel's like, you've been hunting him with that uh, in disbelief. Um, and he's like, no, I don't, not hunting. Um, I track, tracking him, known him since Mm -hmm. I was a kid. Yeah. The polar bear that lives in this area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can Uh, believe it. Uh, and Marco just like, here's a really insane question. Do you think we could pet him? Um, (laughs) uh, we don't really see, uh, Derek's response to that because it cuts to them going to Sealmorph, following Derek. To find mm-hmm. uh, Nanook. Mm-hmm. Um, just like sunning himself on the ice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and Derek just like, damn, that's cool. When they morph, uh, yeah. As they start morphing back. See, Derek, good contender for the fucking device. Uh-huh. Get Derek yep. on the team. I know, yes. right? Uh and Derek obviously thinks that this plan is fucking dumb. He's like, you're just gonna grab grab I love, him? I love this. Well, yeah, why? <laughs> something strange about that? Something totally, absolutely insane about that? That is sarcasm, acts helpfully explained to the Inuit. Yeah, Derek said, I thought maybe it was. <laughs> Derek is iconic. Yeah, um, yep. But as the sort of most dexterous in morph, Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel and Marco have the privilege of going to uh, pin a polar bear into a submission hold so they can acquire it as a morph. Yep. Uh, it, it doesn't go perfectly. Yeah. But it kind of works. I do have this moment of Derek's just like hanging back, doesn't offer an explanation, just watching. 
The bear <laughs> rolls over and Derek's just like, oh, he noticed you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, it's not easy. But no. Rachel makes it to the to the polar bear first. And it's a hard fight between them. Yeah. Um, but uh, Rachel was not winning. Like, she wasn't losing, no. but she also not. She was also not winning. Um, just like we do have this moment where Rachel briefly, um, I think the polar bear trips over Rachel. Oh, she yeah, she does a trip. She, like she rolls into the polar bear's legs, mm-hmm. and Rachel just like, okay, now I don't want your help. I'm taking him down by myself. And there's this moment where <laughs> Marcus like, I considered it for a split second. I'm pretty sure Jake would not approve. So joins in and grabs the polar bear's other arm. Mm-hmm. And uh, he notes how strong the polar bear is, even mm-hmm. compared to like the gorilla and the grizzly bear. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel scores a headbutt to the polar bear's solar plexus, mm-hmm. um, and knocks the enough. wind out of him. Yep, and that's enough of a moment to uh, get the bear into basically a wrestling hold. <laughs> um, Tobias swoops down. Uh, bitching about how there's no thermals up here and it's all cold <laughs> like that was the major drama <laughs> uh, but is able to once he lands on Nanook um, and starts acquiring him Nanook goes into the trance mm-hmm. so it gives everybody the opportunity to uh, acquire the polar bear morph mm-hmm. um, and then they let it, the bear go and run <laughs> um <laughs> And Derek's just like, that was cool. No one's going to believe it, but it'll make a good story. (laughs) Um, We love Derek. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. He warns them there's a storm coming, um, but he has to head off. Mm -hmm. Uh, They figure they probably don't need to worry about it. Yeah. Um, And they morph polar bear. And they are living their best lives as polar bears. (laughs) Just like... I am cold, I am strong, I am big. Fuck yeah. Yep. Because polar bears have got good eyesight. Um, m- not much better maybe than humans, but still on par, if not better. Mm-hmm. But uh, impeccable sense of smell and so ready for the cold. I learned that th- I knew about how polar bears have like black skin and that mm-hmm. it's the fur that makes them look white. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize um, that the transparency of the he- of the fur follicles is what like when it, the light hits it like diffuses it in the way like a magnifying glass when i was like fuck biology is cool <laughs> animals are dope yeah yeah it's uh yeah the the sunlight goes right through the hair to the black skin the black skin soaks it up uh keeps them nice and warm uh plus all the blubber of course mm-hmm. um fur and blubber and yeah, just good shit. Yeah, the best equipped for this environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I, I love I just I love the description here of of their of the the brain of the polar bear. The bear mind that lay just beneath my human consciousness was no bubbling stew of emotions, no panic, no frenetic hunger. Nanook was calm, completely without fear. What was there to fear? He could go for weeks without eating. Hunting was more about play than survival. He actually spent more time lounging around than he did looking for food. We sauntered back toward the Yerk base with the cockiness of Clint Eastwood going into the town saloon. (laughs) It was a long walk punctuated by refreshing plunges into the icy water. 
We ended up having to demorph, of course, and that was no fun at all. But it, then it was back to being Lords of the Ice. Uh, oh. But they make it back to the base, um, and they decide to approach from the water. Um, and uh, so they do so. They they go into the ocean. They swim out uh, to where or the lake. It's a lake. Um, it connects to the ocean. That's why the orcas are there. Um, but I I have to give. They don't right. Well, they know they have a plan. Mm-hmm. They're gonna. Um, they know that the Vembers use the echolocation, so uh-huh. they just fucking do this. They walk in a line, mm-hmm. so they would only, hopefully only register as one polar bear mm-hmm. under an echo, like just like real close to each other, like nose to butt. Mm-hmm. Fucking this parade of polar bears, <laughs> and what's hilarious is that it fucking works. Yep. Until a human controller comes out of a building on the base and they're just like, try it. They try to be like, act natural guys. <laughs> just <laughs> smile and, uh, smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. And, uh, the gig is up because like, that's not how polar bears do. But mm-hmm. the fucking visual of six polar bears. Mm-hmm. And like, polar bears are like, what did they, like 15 foot long from nose to tail can be. Yeah, like ten or twelve. Yeah, times six. That's a lot of polar bear. (laughs) (laughs) The polar bear parade is significant. (laughs) Um, but yeah, they're they're in the base, no cover, fully exposed. They get clogged by human controller. Immediately, like and lights in morph. Yeah, and they hear the order shouted out. Program the Venber. Target any quadruped. Override all security protocols. The Andalites must not escape. Uh, yeah, because they noticed as they came into the camp that even even once they were past the point where they like they obviously could not use the one polar bear trick anymore because they're close enough that you, they can be seen laterally. Um, like, the Venber don't give a shit. They're just going around, doing their thing, like, effortlessly bending rebar with their hands. <laughs> These things are strong. Um, and, but yeah, the alarm is sounded. They're, they're told to program the Venber. Um, uh, and the Venber start to attack. Um, they're, the Animorphs are near to the hangar. Um, and, so they, they basically just try to keep running. Um, but the, the Venber are attacking, uh, Jake and, what was it? Cassie? Jake and, no, mm-hmm. Jake and Tobias, uh, get into a fight with two of the Venber. Um, and, uh, one of them, what is it? Oh, the second Venber closes in on Marco. Um, he realizes he can't fight it. Uh, so instead he jukes it. Like he stops suddenly. It's so good. Um, and this Venber bugs bunny through the wall. Yeah. Just like slams into the side of the hangar. So the kids don't need to worry about finding a door. Yep. Um, and, uh, like Cassie plows into the back of Marco. And they get moving, hauling ass. 
Um, Jake screams at them to keep going, uh, despite the fact that he's in very clear danger from the Venba facing off with him. Um, but Tobias is picking himself up to go help Jake. Um, and they head into the hangar. Which is warm. And there, on the floor between uh, the kids and the nearest bug fighter is a Venba. What was left of him? The lower half of his body already a spreading pool of viscous liquid. And this Venba is still trying to get towards them. It is literally melting in the heat of this hangar and can't act against its programming. Uh, Marco realizes what has happened and tells Jake to come into the hangar to lead the other Venber into the hangar. Um, and, uh, Rachel and Axe take care of the human controllers that are in this hangar. Um, and Jake and Tobias come running in. Um, and all of the Venber that were at the base follow them into the hangar. Uh, the two Venber hit the warm air. They kept charging even as their ski feet turned to glue. Another right behind them, charging, deadly one second, then pitiful the next. I froze there staring, watching the mindless suicide. They came at us, leaping through the gap, slowing, stumbling, falling, melting. Axe was aboard the nearest bugfighter. I snapped out of my horrified trance and realized they all were, all but Cassie and I. We waited till all eight of the Venber at the base had destroyed themselves. I don't know why. With all the danger, all the terror, someone still needed to be a witness. Someone needed to be able to tell the world someday about this Yurk atrocity. Uh, we turned away with Venber remains staining our footsteps and crammed aboard the bugfighter. Everyone else is already demorphing um, because they all can't fit as bears. Um, and Axe powers up the bugfighter. Marco takes weapons. Um, they rise up from the hangar floor, uh, and get out of the hangar. Um, and, uh, they blow up each building in this base one by one, giving enough time between explosions to, uh, allow any humans inside to leave. Not that that's gonna save them because they're just yeah. making them leave out. Into the frozen... Yeah, because they blow up the other bug fighter first yeah. in the hangar. I do like that we get this little detail of Axe suggesting they use the low power. Mm -hmm. And that's still enough for the concussive force of it to knock the bug their bug fighter back against the wall. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I mean, I suppose they could make the argument that... Uh, Someone will come by to pick these controllers up when they hear about the destruction of the base, which yeah. is fair. Um, but, but still, yeah, they systematically this is a destroy. Bit like how Daredevil doesn't kill people and Batman doesn't kill people. Just like, <laughs> mm, okay. Uh -huh. Yep. But also. Yep. Um, but they wreck shop. Um, but, uh, as they're finishing up, they realize that they are being, they've been clocked by the blade ship. Mm -hmm. um, and that it's on an intercept course but they're able to put enough distance uh, before they can bail out of the ship and set it to uh, self-destruct yep. 
Oh, well, they blow it up. Yeah. So. Uh, but it takes them they, two days to get home. Yeah. Alternately, hitchhiking on trains and trucks uh, and flying. Um, Enjoying the warm when it's there. Yeah. Once, as we floated high on a wonderful warm thermal, we talked about the Venber. There were still two who might be alive, wandering the frozen Arctic. They might even know that the creatures they'd chased were human. A loose end. But the Venber wouldn't be heading south to civilization anytime soon. Uh, don't know why we cared. The Venber had tried to kill them. Had tried to kill us. Only they hadn't tried to do anything. They were helpless tools of the Yerks, victims of a long-ago tragedy brought back to life only to write a new chapter of cruelty. Uh, they make it home. They uh, relieve the, ch the chi of their duty. Um, Eric has cleaned the whole house. <laughs> uh, and uh, Marco's dad is just like, Kate, your, your room is a pigsty. Can you do anything about that? And Marco's like, eh, whatever. Uh, and then and his like, dad's maybe like, turn a fan on. This house is sweltering. Yeah, because Marco's in the shower, a hot shower. Has been for a while. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, we end, we end on the, the, the kickflip of, uh, <laughs> Marco's dad asks if he wants to go out and get something to eat, like maybe ice cream. And Marco's just like, uh, no thanks. And goes back into the really hot shower. Oh, he doesn't say no thanks. He's just like, yeah, ice cream. Just like, and then just excuses himself to go get back in the shower. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the end. <laughs> <laughs> I really fucking enjoyed this book. Yeah, it was good. I don't know quite obviously I go into these books with very little in the way of expectation unless Danielle has specifically warned me hey this is a weird one mm -hmm. hey this is dumb or prepare yourself <laughs> um, really didn't have any kind of warnings going into this one but as we were sort of saying at the top I like how small this story is mm-hmm it's uh, and how the danger isn't from the Yurks or another aliens. It's literally just, hey, the planet we live on is really dangerous. Did you know? Mm hmm. And them using the abilities they have and relying on each other to survive it. Mm hmm. Yep. It's good. It's good shit. It's very good shit. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Should we do our rankings? Chaos. That's how we do. So, uh, the plot. I mean, I don't feel like there was a lot of plot going on, mm -hmm. but I didn't need it. Like, yeah. it felt very tight, very self contained. Yeah. And just, it's not the most exciting. So, I suppose I should knock off a couple of points for that. Because <laughs> I'm not remembering this for the plot. Yeah, it's so. because it's it's all it's very much that the the Yerk plot here is the B plot. Yeah, this is Womp without plot. The lesson and cousin. 
Um, <laughs> or womp with minimal plot. Um, less a plot, more an excuse. Yeah. Um, so I'd give it, but the thing is, what is there is solid and the, the story is well constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say, uh, give it a seven. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, characterization, I would rank it right up there. Yeah. Like, like nine or ten. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is, really tight on characterization everyone is acting at kind of the peak of their character we don't necessarily get a lot of some characters like we get pretty minimal tobias and axe um and less rachel but Mm -hmm. you know what we do get all feels on brand Mm -hmm. so to speak um and the stuff especially between marco and cassie is just really really good yeah 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 agreed um and uh enjoyability slash satisfaction. I had fun. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um uh, I come around, yeah, I was surprised by how gory it felt. Yeah. I th- and I think and I and I apologize if this is me repeating stuff I said at the end, but hey, we split these into two episodes anyway, so it's been a couple of hours since you heard me say. <laughs> um this is sort of very real to life injuries. Yeah. For the most part, things that you can empathize with and like, you have probably experienced being cold, maybe even being cold enough that it's painful. Mm-hmm. And this is so much worse. Mm-hmm. And like, I think we've all maybe had the experience of touching something cold and being stuck to it briefly. Yeah. And how that hurts. Mm-hmm. Imagine that, but worse. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. yeah. It feels very relatable in a way that makes the injuries that happen um, give some impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, like the nastiness of uh, the, um, and I do, it did remind me a little bit of uh, like uh, the uh, final confrontation with the T-1000 and T-2 Judgment mm-hmm. Day. With like the mist coming out and like mm-hmm. limbs breaking off and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but it was like very in a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the safe you can let your kids read it. But like, as a kid, I feel like I would have been horrified by yeah. some of the description. This was I was like, ah. yeah, this is this is the the kind of um, pinnacle animorphs. I don't want to say gore, but uh, uh, wump. That, um, that is what everybody thinks about when they think about this series. Um, Mm -hmm. like they don't, maybe not necessarily the individual, like injuries and stuff that happen, but like this flavor of stuff is, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it reminds me of, um, like plasticity of a material, right? Mm -hmm. If you blend, bend something past a certain plasticity, it doesn't bend back. Um, it yeah. doesn't re- return to its original shape. And so it's just like, okay, we've gotten to this point and there's no going back. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is, this is your, your bar for, for what these kinds of things are like now. Um, yeah. But it's good shit. It's very good shit. Uh, um, we did not ask ahead for questions. No. Sorry. 
Uh, but by all means, uh, hit us up. If, if our conversation has spurred anything you would like to ask us, we can reply in text form or even in the next recording. Yeah. I already victimized Jen about this book. Uh, good work. <laughs> I, text, I texted her as I was reading this last night, and she sent me the response this morning because she's in Spain now. Or no, yeah, in Spain now. Um, and <laughs> she's just like, thanks for that. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Friendship. Oh, because I love it's you, about- Jen. <laughs> yeah. Friendship is making other people suffer. It's but, true. Oh, doing the rounds about new fans and old fans with trauma and the old fans are like grinning but also sobbing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that that is uh the the perfect <laughs> Yeah. The perfect description of Animorphs and specifically this podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is it is our premise. Yeah, it is. Um Okay. Um, the question: what was, your- what was your favorite part in this book, where it's so much like bad stuff is happening? Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels weird to say favorite part. <laughs> um, Cassie yelling at Marco was Good very shit. satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just really liked that that reflection of Marco about like together for warmth breathing. yeah like that i can picture that so clearly like this pile of wolves in a little like mm-hmm. snow burrow mm-hmm. and that that moment that's good shit like yeah. i can imagine that as like an artist panel like all like maybe black or all just like snow like mm-hmm. solid white and then just in the middle this little dark mm-hmm. bit with the wolves in mm-hmm. it's good shit it is good, good shit. shit for it yeah. Um, yeah, I think both of those might rate as my favorite, like, moments. I think my favorite part is just the, the group dynamics going on mm, throughout yeah. the book. Like, it, uh, my memory definitely did not give enough credit to this book. Um, it's, and and part of that is just because like I think I read this book once mm-hmm. um and you haven't really picked it up since whereas some of the other ones I've read multiple times um yeah and so I didn't have a really strong memory of it and the memory I did have was tainted by the the stereotypes that we went over um but there is a lot of good in this book uh absolutely there is some pig visa three messy bitch. Mm-hmm. Just and that's what made those small bumps frustrating. But I just feel like if you want a good example of an animorphs read, yes, that has no bearing on the wider plot, yes, but you just want to get an experience of what animorphs is like, I would absolutely recommend this book. It's yep. certainly not essential to the overarching story. Yep, but if you want a vibe. I yeah, would I was, go with this book. I was just thinking the same exact thing. Um, Drift compatible, baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's not, it's not essential to any of the overarching meta plot in any respect. Um, but it, it is peak anamorphs in a lot of ways. Um, uh, did anything surprise you? 
how hard it went. Hmm. Like, they've not shared a, sh- shied away from portraying bad things happening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just the sheer kids versus nature. Mm-hmm. Nature is kicking their asses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it goes hard. Yeah. Yeah, I think same. Um, is I just didn't remember it. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't remember it being in this book, I guess. Sure. Uh, but. Yeah, it's, it's good shit. Mm-hmm. Um, any part that didn't make sense to you or that you didn't understand? I don't think so. Yeah. I think it was fairly solid. Yeah, and I, I don't feel like there were really any... There were any plot threads left hanging that weren't mm-hmm. noted. Yeah. It, it It's a very tight book. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <sighs> all right all right we, any we final thoughts just i feel like this episode was as tight as that book was we were just like mm, yeah all right <laughs> good at podcast i feel good at podcast <laughs> i feel like i've gotten an a in being an animorphs fan a thing that is both possible to achieve <laughs> 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 I would give you an A in being an Animorphs fan. Okay. I I validated. (laughs) Um, And a great book. Yeah. Very good. Oh, my co-host has been Jade. You can find them on the internet at Jade Oxford Rose. You can find their home podcast, Follow the Leader, at FTLcast on Twitter. Uh, check it out. They're starting their new season soon. Uh, and they've already got a lot of really cool content coming out right about now. Um, it's all uh, relatively self-contained. Um, and you can jump into any one of the arcs at any time and just get some really beautiful characterization going on. Uh, they uh, do some of absolutely the best character work I've ever seen over on that podcast. Um, and uh, you can also check them out on Dumb Kids Playing Hero, which is the Animorphs-inspired actual play podcast um, that we both do. Uh, you can find that on Twitter at DKPHpod. And my amazing co-host has been Danielle. You can find them on Twitter at redtailedhawk 90 and the games that they have written at redtailedhawk90.itch.io. Their home podcast is The Room Where It Happened, moving into the final, possibly the final mission? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. That was a vibe. Oh, Tomorrow. Wow. It's like so, fucking hell. <laughs> the closing mission of a campaign of mostly scum and villainy. It's Appalachia in space, a bunch of ragtag nerdwells trying to do the right thing in a shitty part of the universe and help people. It's the very best shit. And if you have feelings about robots, you should watch it. Because, watch it. You should listen to it. And then look at all the cool fan art that gets reblocked. That's something you can watch. <laughs> yes. um, it's dope as shit. It is dope as shit. I, love listening to it and you should give it a shot um that's it for today yeah we let's let's do a clap we clap yes do you have time that is open yep uh 35 35 we need to say a time